Oh, uh, welcome in. This Thank is the legacy, here. right? Uh, I I am the legacy of Jennifer Ant Kaiser. This is Andrew Joseph, and uh, we're back for another uh, hopefully spectacular and happy new year for you. Uh, the first episode of the year that we're about to drop, and uh, we're going to do something a little differently today. Uh, once again, we have a uh, Get an, another special guest. Every one of our guests is special, but uh, but I mean, it gets even even more special when we bring more and more people on and get their various perspectives of everything. Uh, so uh, let's uh, let's dig in first. I gotta drop the ad. So uh, plug for uh, FanghornForces.com for all your woodworking needs, necessities, knickknacks, uh, woodwork, uh, wood building decks etc. Uh, anything that uh, your little heart desires and needs and wants and you're willing to uh, afford the, the payment to, uh, let's start uh, let's start small business together. So uh, uh, fanghornforesters.com uh, and when you go there you can you can get get to see uh, the, the, the work that uh, is put in and, and uh, as well as the information that uh, that you can get out and and hopefully uh, get some work, get some work for the man. So fanghornforesters.com. Um, with that, uh, let's uh, jump into the show. Uh, welcome, Andrew. Hey, Zach, what's going on? Uh, not much. This is another glorious January 6th of uh, 2024. Um mm. As we speak, there is a gigantic uh, water buffalo man that's sitting in Nancy Pelosi's seat, uh, or former seat, I guess. It's been three years. Um, <laughs> there's a there's like three or four feds next to him, so I'm, I'm, it's hard to tell if they're trying to apprehend him or uh, or their buddy buddy. Oh, oh. their buddy buddy. Never mind. I think he's a snitch. <laughs> Well, you know, Nancy so, Pelosi got a water buffalo side ass, so this makes sense. Of course, if you if you if you asked him, he probably he'd say he wasn't a snitch because. But we don't know. We don't know half these people. We don't know. We don't know if they've if they really are going to prison with no due process of the law and waiting all these ample moments of time before they finally see a judge. Uh, odds are. They're probably sitting at home hanging out. So yeah. smoking a doobie, which is which is what we all need, actually. <laughs> so, but uh let's uh let's bring on our guest though. Uh it goes by Real Mad Max on the Twitter X Spheres. Uh recommendated yeah, recommended, recommended uh by uh old Be Ungovernable at Be Ungovernable at uh Twitter. He's been wanting me to get this guy on uh for a while and uh talk uh, talk all sorts of nonsense of of anything that that we can put uh, put our mind on, uh, on like just just anything so um he's been really on it about wanting to talk wanting, wanting us to talk about nazis though so we i brought a brought real mad max on uh let's uh let's let him introduce himself uh how you doing today sir I am doing quite well this morning. Uh, I'm excited uh, 
to have conversations of all sorts. Um, I do want to give like fair warning to people that I'm just like a guy sitting in my like half garage thing shouting into my phone. So if chickens or other people walk in the background, that might happen. And um, before we get too completely ungovernable, which I'm quite good at doing, um, I want to wish, wish everyone uh, a Merry Christmas Eve. I do know that today is always tomorrow's Eve, um, but I remember that this is also Christmas Eve. Uh, so just for equal representation. Fantastic. Yeah. The, uh, what is it? Today, the, the, the wise man finally showed up today, didn't they? So. Um, well, it depends if you want to go pre-1054 or post-1054, um, but how we count the 12 or 13 days between uh, Christmas can get kind of confusing, but um, it's it's Insurrection Day nonetheless, so I'm down to talk about what people do not see or any topic along the lines. Fantastic. So, no, it's, uh, it's definitely Insurrection Day, so uh, uh, Insurrection let to start off. That's a great transition right there. Um, what a what what does insurrection mean to to either of you guys? Well, first of all, I'd like to reference that uh, a lesser known historical fact: Christmas used to be celebrated on New Year's. So it just depends on how far back and what how you want to look at it. Christmas. But uh, insurrection, it's certainly not what happened a couple of years ago. <laughs> you cheater. I agree, but you can't define with a negative or we're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, I know. Gotta start well, somewhere, I though. completely agree. Um, uh, Kaiser, will you grace us with your perspective on the definition of um, insurrection? Oh... What is its direction? You can what exactly you is it? If you got it in the background. Yeah. Uh, I think the real insurrection is writing a writing a book of a, a, a bunch of essays that want to tear down a document. Uh, and nailing it to the church door. Yeah, yeah, and nailing it to the church door. Uh, I think. I think Martin. I don't know who who did it better. I mean, Martin Luther and his. <laughs> It is uh, what was it, forty four thesis? I forget. Uh, I the numbers always confuse me. I'm not good yeah. at the numerology side of yeah. things. Nail it to the door to. Mm -hmm. No, whether it's condemning the. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I I like the who did it better in terms of insurrection definitions. Martin Luther versus who? Oh, Martin Luther versus uh, Lysander Spooner. Who did it better? I don't um, know. You go up against the the Catholic Church. I mean, it's that's pretty, that's pretty Chad like. But mm -hmm. I mean, you go up against the United States federal government with the, in the mail industry. I mean, that's that's pretty badass too. Savage. <laughs> and um, my answer to that question would be time frame, um, mm -hmm. and maybe it's a historical bias, but it feels like. Luther did it faster in terms of the way the story's told. But I think in the long run, what was left over after Luther's insurrection was spooned out of the mail by Spooner, so to speak. And so if you play it over time, I'm personally going to tip my hat to, to Spooner on who did it better. Yeah. More impactful, 
more impactful potentially Luther because we couldn't have got here. I can't speak of like the past, but in a lot of ways, we uh, we wouldn't be left without um, a lot of the like with the attitude that Spooner displayed, we wouldn't be left without it. That's the type of insurrection. And I could be biased, like I said, because this is my, my generational experience, like with the American, mm-hmm. like I'm dealing with the American government more than the Catholic church. So maybe in Luther's day, there wouldn't have been room for a Spooner anyway, because the Catholic church controlled everything. So yeah. it's hard to compare it, but I think we're understanding what insurrection is. And, um, the January 6th that's in the news cycle, I don't feel like has anything to do with the conversation we were just having about what insurrection legitimately is. And so I think it's cute that that's what it gets called. Like, was that the best slur you could come up for for this absolute shit show <laughs> propaganda vomit thing that happened? With yeah. all propaganda at once on the same stage at the same time and see how few people die. Who's going to send the first crisis actor and who's actually going to accidentally kill someone? Who's going to open the doors and who's going to take Pelosi's laptop? It's yeah, let's see. It's all all unleashed, but certainly not an insurrection. Like, Let me go get my crock pot and we'll find out. <laughs> I mean, they just they open the doors for him. That's that's the clue right there. That, that, I mean, how can it, how can it be an insurrection if the doors are open? Hey, Not to, to mention, fair, I can. Hmm. Sorry, I'm still working on the latency right now, so I'm not trying to. Oh, uh, oh, oh I'm trying good. to be more patient, but um, it's ironic because, um, in certain ways, um, this conversation is opening doors for insurrection, um, but you're not wrong that when the doors were opened in that case, it made it a lot more of an invitation than an insurrection. But Mm -hmm. like meta, ironically, this conversation is an invitation to insurrection in certain ways. Like it's just a door. You got to walk through it if you're going to, but the layers of that were really interesting to me. I think Mm -hmm. we found a fed. (laughs) Uh, county worker, actually. <laughs> county worker. I clean things up for the government. Hey, man. Yeah, what hey. about work, right? Gotta, work do, gotta do work. <laughs> no, you gotta work from the inside out. Exactly. Keep closer. Mm. I'm trying to be polite with this insurrection. I got hired officially. <laughs> All right. So... I feel like that was a decent introduction for me and the date that we're on. Um, (laughs) And I do have a tendency to get a little bit lost in wordplay, um, but it's a technique um, that I feel has like um, relates to the topic of the Nazi legacy, like and in wordplay. Um, And so a lot of times when we get on serious topics, I use my words backwards and forth to play propaganda on both sides because mm-hmm. yeah, like if you look at the flag, it has two Eagles. Like that's why the paper clip went in two directions and created twin towers just in terms of like the higher ranking. And this is just historical, right? Because like after the, you know, dissolution of the Nazi party, the, 
a lot of high-ranking officials were paperclipped over to the U.S. There was also a paperclip that went to the USSR, and there's some kind of competing teams. And there's a crazy paperclip before that with, that has to do with the Norwegians. But just we're just going to start with the two for right now because the mm-hmm. flag has two heads, like the eagle has two heads on the flag. And so we like we're one of the eagles over on this side, uh, very much a one-headed uh, eagle. Like we're the us. And um, on the other side of the world is like the usser. Um, and they still hold like a two-headed flag. And so this is right after 1942, right? And so they we're getting paper clipped to both directions. And a lot of people are going down to Argentina, which we can get into that part later. Um, but just in terms of uh, 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 geopolitically forming the world, it looks to me like when the Nazis were paper clipped into us and usser, it created twin towers of world trade. Um, and that cold fe- or cold war uh, had enough power to um, galvanize, use, I would call it use um, uh, Hegelian galvanization to geopolitically terraform uh, the entire international landscape. Um, yeah. And then once the ground was set for that, because there's a whole bunch of wars we could name to show that. But once the ground was set for that, it was time for the Twin Towers to come down. Because like when they, like the gates are built in order to bring something through it, and when that which comes through the gates is brought through, then the towers are down and that which was brought through was here. And so it looks to me like... a. Um, a continuation of political aspiration, um, but also a deep betrayal of the German people because they lost, like, a, people forget Nazis meant national socialist. That's what, mm-hmm. that's where we get the translation where we call that, like, that's an abbreviation for national socialist. And we're talking about the government that made cars affordable on two months of a paycheck sort of Mm -hmm. deal and made sure everyone had a job and like all these socialist dreams that we're talking about the national socialist party that did that for the country now all um consequences aside when it came to the war that national socialist party the way that the people participated the just the individual citizens like to me that looks like a great awakening i dream of something like that for this society yeah um like that we every like all of a sudden everybody's being honest with their transactions you can afford a car you can afford a house you can afford food like we all feel like we're on the same team working towards a common process this all makes sense to me now war fundamentally doesn't make sense to me and i have theories about war games later but the national socialist party of 30s Germany does make sense to me. I can see why people in Germany would be like, yeah, this is the greatest shit ever. We're finally, I can get back that I, we've pushed off the weight of the 30 years of war. We can finally go back and I skipped world war one on purpose, but we can finally go back to living together. That is a beautiful thing. And I think that conflating 
fascism, national socialism, uh, Nazism, po uh, political influence and individual perspectives is what makes this such a challenging topic. And in a lot of ways, I think it's been intentionally wrapped up into one specific glob so that it can't be addressed whatsoever. Because whichever side of the perspective fence that you're on, if you're intellectually honest, the effect of non-seen propaganda through the history that we've seen since the 90s at least, because that's when I was born, it's clear that it's impactful and that propaganda, doublespeak, media control, subversion, uh, fifth pillar infiltration all play a role. And if we can't discuss that with intellectual honesty and we have to get caught up in tropes and pick sides, we get nowhere. So I'll use all the tropes sometimes just to make sure it's clear that I'm not afraid of any version of propaganda. But this is just still me trying to introduce myself. And if we have any particular uh, questions on um, the party which shall not be named or not shall not be seen or any of the people that shall not be named, I would be happy to share my perspective because I really like the vibe of this conversation. And the Spooner questions got my brain spinning on interaction insurrection i'm trying to think like gandhi is another one um but that's in the category but not uh not on the same level and so i'm trying to think of mm. another good example between luther and spooner because those are really good uh, mm. those are champions right there well i mean to, to stick to the nazis though i mean it, what's fascinating is the way that uh the world kind of took the whole aspect of the Nazis really. I mean what what I've gathered from what you were what you were just saying, like um the the war World War II was lost by the Germans, won by the Nazis. I mean you were I, I mean to, to say, say paper yeah that, to say paperclip from us to us or US USR I mean that it makes total sense because the the whole ideology of the national socialist German workers party was about unity consolidation and complete and utter control I mean for a utopian means so it would make sense so like when you look at the uh, yeah when you look at Germany in the 30s and then you look into most governments specifically in the west and specifically our government anymore um what sort of parallels of the Nazis of the 30s, of like 34, 34, 35, and the Western governments of today uh, do you see? Um, so like the Hegelian dialectic approach of dividing people in order to glean off of the energy produced by the friction in between people seems mm -hmm. to be like a consistent power source um to me that i see as like a real similarity in terms of actual because it's a form of top-down governance that doesn't make sense it's like that like because governance comes from the just consent of the governed so to force people into enough friction it's just a weird inversion of the system 
which I see happening now. And I feel like that is to some degree what was paper clipped on to the German workers party and the paper clips are what survived because they like went to the us and usser. And real quick, I thought of my champion that I want to bring to the ring and I think it's appropriate. Uh, eighth president of the United States. Oh, the only Ron that made it all the way to top Don. It yeah, is a very interesting character, Warner Ron Bond. Certainly not related to the rest of the presidents, which is fascinating. Because regardless of how many presidents you think are related, it's been pretty well proven that Warner Ron. Ron is not part of that family, whichever family or groups of families or however, it's just interesting. It's a one marker, eighth president. And what he did insurrection wise is, this is how dirty it is. This is why Spooner's always got to come in later. Um, he essentially um, activated the concept of being all on the same team politically instead of having our individual identity. Like he's essentially the founder of the American political party. Mm. And then it's interesting because he, <laughs> he test marketed it to help. He was called Jackson's magician. And like, mm. this is all really important stuff because of the financial system is one of the biggest parallels the financial system is one of the biggest parallels of um the lasting impact of the paperclip that attached itself to the german workers party like that government that um uh that uh Im implied form of governance that produces enough friction to keep people in enough fear to compete um, is very much tied to the financial system and the American financial system, the way that the dollar has been done financially, it is very much related to um, Andrew Jackson's competition with the feds, Warner Braun, not Warner Braun Bond. I knew I was going to say it the first time. That's why I said eighth president. <laughs> um, Martin Van Buren, that's beard slip mm -hmm. of the top. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, Nazi topics get stuck in my head and I misspeak sometimes, but uh, mm -hmm. it was called Jackson's Magician. And then the bank crashed while he was president after. So Jackson did his thing with the Fed and that competition. And then uh, uh, Van Buren gets into presidency and everything collapses. And then he establishes the treasury which is ironic. And then like later on, um, it was said that one of his quotes was, we have taught them how to defeat us. Hmm. Was his like self critique at the end, um, because mm -hmm. that political party and that um, um, uh, balancing of the scales of financial inequity by political party association 
like the scale had unanticipated friction from his perspective because I really feel like he was a genuine insurrectionist fighting the crown in a way mm -hmm. that the War of 1812, the White House burned down. So look at it however you want to. But coming after that and like what Ron, Ron did was, I believe, truly insurrectionist to that crown system. And then for him to have said, we've taught them how to defeat us, I feel like is another callback to Spooner because you have to have those really, really base principles of scooping out every little bit of tyranny. Otherwise, it, this pro, it's just another version to defeat ourselves, another version of to defeat ourselves until we can actually get down to those fundamental base principles of liberty. There's always another iteration. Uh, mm. But I do think then uh, the president would be a good third contender in those uh, champions mm. of insurrection. Uh, it's it's a uh, fascinating you brought up the war of eighteen twelve and uh and what it kind of means for everything that transitioned with Jackson and then Van Buren and inevitably the Lincoln Party and and the Civil War and succession. Um, but it, I mean the Crown, if you look at it, like the Crown kind of did somewhat take take re a uh, recount on on the nation. You burn, you burn the Capitol, you burn the White House. Yeah, it was rebuilt. That's symbolic. It's like, and and after Madison's tenure as president, you end up uh, getting Monroe in, which everybody knows the Monroe Doctrine and what significance it has for the United States and its foreign policy issue or its policy matters. Period. Um, and and. You also have certain doc doctrine or, or not doctrine, but certain uh, regulatory laws and policies passed with the amendments of the Missouri Compromise that come into play that kind of wield the South into contention with the North, but kind of quell everything that uh, that the, I mean, the Civil War could have started in 1820. It didn't yeah. because we compromised i mean and then we compromised 30 years later in 1850 with the end of the mexican war uh, all this happens after war of course uh war and concessions of land new land uh who knew right when you're an imperial power you're gonna aggravate more souls and cause more conflict that leads to insurrection um but it does seem like uh presidents after Madison were more in line to that imperialistic war hawking nature, um, more foreign policy based on expanding the United States beacon um, after the War of 1812. And then Jackson sort of delayed it. He cut, yeah, you know, I mean, like after the War of 1812, what did we get? We got, we got the, the, the second bank of the United States was commissioned was finally chartered and they got yeah. their bank again and then jackson kind of like jumped into it and put a put he he threw a, a, a wrench into it for a duration but it was just kicking the can down the down the street 
it was, you know, I mean, it was inevitable that you were going to see 1860, 1861 occur. Uh, I got another one though, um, Boris, and this is only <laughs> the, the momentary mind state that, uh, Thomas Jefferson was in when he wrote the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. Um, just the when he was sipping beers late at night by candlelight, writing down that preamble of the Declaration of Independence. Um, well done, sir. <laughs> that was the rough draft. Like very impressive insurrectionist. Um, because we can talk about all forms, uh, a lot of forms of usurpation in American political history. And like, it's interesting to me that a lot of people get focused on um, uh, bringing it back to the constitution because the constitution was a unlawful usurpation of the powers of the Articles of Confederation, because when the Articles of Confederation was established, it was deemed so powerless, it couldn't even take itself out of power. And so they literally just had to be like, well, we'll sign this one instead. Legally speaking, like, the, you know, the most integrity minds, it's like, yeah, but it doesn't have enough power to say we're not allowed to sign this one instead. So we'll run with that. It's like doublespeak to its essence, like that mm -hmm. Declaration of Independence, where it is our duty, not our option, not not something you may or may not have to do. It is our duty to ensure that tyranny is replaced with legitimate liberty. Boom. Super insurrectionist. Like, it's our duty? Dang, well, we just took this to a next level. Because, like, if you're telling me my laws are unlawful, but you are unlawfully representing a constitution that's unlawful like isn't this why that the definition of tyranny you've can you've tied so many laws in a knot that your laws don't mean anything anymore they're based on lies even the true ones and so whether it's true or false that i sure should not do something it has nothing to do with what's being called legal like that's the definition of tyranny you're convincing me of double speak that doesn't exist it's just a matter of fact and so now it's my responsibility to untie this ridiculous knot that people have done with this bullshit, doublespeak, false contract usurpation, convincing people that this system of deception is the only way to survive. It's not true. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, I mean, sorry, I get a little soapboxy sometimes on that yeah. one because it's like, okay. damn, this shit's important to me. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. That's good. I mean, and, and, and it's great to be passionate about something, especially when like your whole livelihood could be on the line at a at, a, at, at the whim of of somebody else just randomly. I mean, especially in the in this fallacy phase of social contracts. I mean, you, you said it right there. Like people are people are people they're going to live the way that they live but the problem with like trying to control and centralize and use certain concepts of certain wordplay or this and that i mean it it, it ends up 
costing everybody in the end anyways, because eventually you're just going to have collective disorganization to what, I mean, where everybody's going to just start killing everybody or, or harming everybody in, in some way, because everybody wants to rebel against what they foresee is a threat to them, but they've been collectivized to think that there's one shape of aspect of living that is superior to another, to all other aspects of living. When in reality, people can just learn to just let, let things be and live and let live and leave each other alone. I mean, if you don't want to cooperate with one another, then walk away, go live your life in the shadows of a cliffside in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, or go live in a humongous big city that is cram packed with all sorts of different diversified peoples and communities. I mean, that you can greet and uh, I don't know. I don't know the word for it that you can experience. There you go. I mean, mm -hmm. there's different experiences for everybody. So or you can immigrate to uh, our hermit kingdom. <laughs> I, I heard the shells already to... full. I got to find a new one. I wouldn't suggest going to the hermit kingdoms, everybody. Although <laughs> they'd probably accept you. Kim Jong, yeah, Kim Jong Un would probably accept you. He needs the people. I'm pretty fat. He's yes. a, a body double, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I think there was something not that not that long ago. I think honestly, I think I I think it was mentioned on like a Dave Smith podcast. Um, but uh, Kim Jong Un, I think was was caught like weeping because uh, he knows that the the it, fertility rates. Well, the first off, fertility rates around the world are dropping, but uh, and that's that's another that's 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 another conversation for another, another <laughs> day that we can go on of why that is. I mean, and it has a lot to lot to uh, do with with politics and economics or lack thereof. But like, um, let's just call it eugenics. That's yeah, that's a eugenics. shorter term for it. Yeah, that's that's a that's an even better term. But I mean, he was like, I, I guess, accordingly, he's he's saddened or or at least the show was he was very depressed that the fertility rates in North Korea are dropping. So um, wonder why that wonder why that is. Um, you be the judge, I guess. But I guess he might he's be under a little stress. <laughs> Maybe stress kills. Stress does kill. Mm -mm. Well, I know that I oh. saw a couple years ago that the North Koreans were trying to read the doctrines of the Nazis so that they could get their economy up and running. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, they went the, they went with the Soviets instead. But mm -hmm. then when that collapsed, um, <laughs> the one uh, kind of like I don't want to say influencer person, but the most famous North. Korean defectant that's um, been um, going on tours. I can't think of her name. Um, 
mm-hmm. but she came from North Korea. Um, uh, she said that um, the when the Soviet Union collapsed, they had, she said it publicly, they had this sadness in North Korea, the leaders did, because they realized the only way to continue to survive was to just have less people. And so mm-hmm. now they're having the sadness of the spiraling downward idea that to stay in power, I need to support less people because it's a regressive mm-hmm. if you carry it out to its logical conclusion. That's why top-down governance doesn't work. Even if you want more people or more slaves or less slaves, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Try it. Look at historical examples in either direction. It never subjugation has never been included in the answer of a healthy society. I mean, it goes back to, we don't have to go back that far to even the Nazis. I mean, look what, look where it, it, it sent them when they started the final solution phase of the, yeah. of the Holocaust. I mean, you start so liquidating all the assets of your slave labor, all your prisoners that you've been using as slave labor. I mean, to make everything run smoothly. I mean, you start realizing a, a society is in on verge of collapse and they were going to get railroaded and lose that war. Like they, 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 once they started, actually started going full scale organized on an industrial level of, of mass slaughter in like 1942, I believe the war was practically over. Like they, it was just inevitable. They were just basically holding off, waiting. Um, I mean, there's a and there's a reason why the Nazis also wanted the Allies to be the ones to surrender to, and they they were even trying to assassinate Hitler themselves so that they could easily surrender. Because I mean, obviously Hitler wasn't going to surrender. I mean, as you can see at the la- in his bunker, whether he killed himself or not. Um, I have such a controversial story. opinion about this topic. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, let, let's stay on that to- topic. Did, did Hitler kill us all before, the, as the Soviets were bombarding and and no. slamming into Berlin? No, but that's not the controversial part of this topic. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I think it's clear that he did not. But the story doesn't even. I understand why that's a good sign-off story to write, mm-hmm. but when you put the wheels of power in perspective of what's going on, there, like, there was no legitimate Fuhrer putting a pistol to their head in a bunker. That's not something that happened. Mm-mm. In my opinion, that. that's not how even did, the controversial part. Of my if opinion. you're surrounded, how do you escape to a submarine to get to Argentina? If you're the Fuhrer, how do you get surrounded? Yeah. The controversial, my controversial take is that there was a very different reason why the SS was trying to take out Hitler for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Very different reason than sold. Because it was discovered that he was the British asset. He was the Rothschild's bastard son that had all of the specific life trauma geared right for him to be a failure in the war and a dying mother and rejected from art school despite all his talents and pinned in the position and the great one of the greatest orators that ever lived 
complete British asset the entire time. Okay, so here's where it gets hyper controversial. I think that yous are just a sound. Yous were trees. Yous were me in use. Hebrews, Israelis, religions, different than yous. When the yous were burned in the Holocaust, it was me's and yous. That's why the SS started getting everybody down to Argentina as fast as they could, because the final solution had to be played because the will of the workers had, in fact, overwhelmed the asset of the ultimate Fuhrer. They, it wasn't based on that. That's why the SS was trying to assassinate it. I'm not saying he did it like everyone's playing their role or anything, but politically to me, it just makes sense that, that now it's time for the final solution. Start burning the people. And then every, and then the SS is just like, we're getting all military assets are now just removing people from this situation. They, they hit the nuclear option in the true sense of the word, not in the Hiroshima sense. And we can get into how many times you can split an atom bomb later if we want to hop in time, like hop in time or become the death of worlds. But in this specific world of the Holocaust, horrible things happened. People died. People just like me and you. So 6,000 of me and you's died. Mm -hmm. That's 6 million. Sorry. That was, God, God damn, that could be taken as a dog whistle, but that's not, I really meant to say 6 million men use like died there. And it was a horrible thing. And that final solution was absolutely disgusting. And to me, the only way that it makes sense, same with the betrayal of, uh, of Russia, it never meant since it never made sense to go to the Eastern front. The Poland thing was different or because it was part that was that was more an Austrian thing. That's old Germany. That's like uh, Russia and Crimea. It's mm -hmm. not a that wasn't even part of it. The Belgium thing was the start of it because that was like the British territory, and like mm -hmm. that was the real thing. And so when I like you know taking the Balfour Declaration into consideration and all that stuff, and like I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure it's been relatively accepted that like Hitler's father was of the Rothschild lineage and that his mother was not of the class and that he was not necessarily accepted by that. And he had a really strong attachment to his mother. I don't think that's in the realm of conspiracy theory, but again, with propaganda, the records get super scrambled. So what I try to do is mm -hmm. break it down by what, if we were playing chess or risk, what pieces would actually make sense what would actually make sense to me is when it was clear that um, the hegemony of uh, the new Holy Roman universal empire thing, well, while the German people were fueled to that, the German worker party that we we're talking about were fueled to that, like building up of like, yeah, we're all on one team. The German workers party does like, it's not scalable to the same degree that 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 holy see mentality was looking for, and so when you bet all your chips on it, and then it collapses, the final solution is just to erase the evidence. And like, how mm -hmm. clever was it that we call it Nazis? And so now let's create a whole bunch of controversial discussions about who's you and who's a Jew and who was seen and who was not seen and 
um, was it Germany that was the bad guy or was the, the Axis and the Allies fascists or not fascists? And then in the meantime, well, all that paper is burning down. The paper clips just go to each side of the globe and just geo-terraform the entire thing based on conflict. I can see why that would be a parasitic final solution. Like, damn, we thought this body could host us. We can't burn it down, create chaos, fly to each corner of the world, and do our best to rebuild a system that we can control. So it doesn't seem that like it, it seems like there's a level of continuity there. I mean, yeah, no, yeah, perspective. To... Sorry, mm -hmm. I'll say from the perspective of a world builder, that does make a lot of sense. And uh, what what's also fascinating is you said the the paperclip because you can make a paper clip look like the Twin Towers, right? Um, I find it fascinating that the Twin Towers, when they were built in the 60s, that was around the heights of the Cold War and the and when the Berlin Wall was put in place and when, yep. the, when the Soviet Union and the United States really hammered down and started getting into their true chess match. Um, mm -hmm. And um, and it's and when the twin That's towers, why there were, were built, world trade centers, world bipolar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I think that's it's fascinating because they're they're built up at this yeah, which could be uh, a a a defined moment of of saying we're in this new world order. Let's at least an architect. At least an architect. Yeah textual symbol of the mm -hmm. geopolitical financial situation this Geo. is what's going yeah. on we'll put it right in downtown new york city mm -hmm. which ironically is where the united nations is as well so ironic yeah <laughs> what are the odds um, it's got to be a coincidence these they can't oh, be related especially since the un is right there and Rockefeller, what formal former Rockefeller owned land? Black Rock or Rockefeller? Uh, what's the difference anymore? On guard <laughs> or Vanguard? Like touche, yeah. how many points got scored? All oil men are a little mm -hmm. slick. <laughs> yep. Yep. But let him be but slick. I mean, part of us, part of the problem is this, us falling for the trick. And you alluded this to this earlier. And I really wanted to make this point. Like I can already tell with both of you, like I might not be friends. I might not be family, but I'd be happy to be neighbors because yeah. if you pull the plug on society, a hundred percent, every structural integrity that we have, and it's just like all of a sudden we're just camping and doing our best to survive. My first strategy as a human is going to be to team up. And the first people I'm going to try and team up with are the people around me. Even if I don't like them or the way they do things, just knowing that we're on the same team is helpful. And I consider that neighborly love. And so mm -hmm. it's interesting to me that, and you referenced this before, and I wanted to get back to it. So that's what I'm doing. Like, it's interesting to me that people are like, oh, if it collapses, it'll turn into all this like war stuff. No, if it collapses, people will be scared. Because most people don't know how to survive and scared people look for help. Right now, they're looking for help in a system that's breaking them. Um, mm -hmm. It's like literally the mirror inflection of biting the hand that feeds you. You're like kissing the hand that's taking the food out of your mouth or something, whatever the background of that is. But if you really take away all that structure, 
uh, humans are pack animals. I'm going to look to my neighbors. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm not going to expect my neighbor to act like myself, but I'm going to know for damn sure that we work better as a team. And nowhere in my brain does it pop up. I could kill them for the things they have. <laughs> that never happens in my brain. And it's like, everybody's like, oh, it'll turn into Mad Max chaos. <laughs> like, which, yeah, the irony's not lost on me. But who's doing that? I can't go to the grocery store. I'm going to go kill somebody and take their stuff. Mm -hmm. right. What? How is that your plan? You're not going to last long. The people that I'm friends with notice threats like that, and they don't last very long. Mm -hmm. Stupid. Sorry, I, I digress. But honestly, the yeah. whole concept that we're all going to just immediately shred each other to pieces is nonsense. Yeah, I mean, we don't go back to using, you know, sticks to create fire nowadays. We have other tools mm -hmm. that have been around for decades, you know. Yeah, and back when they only had those stick tools, they worked as a community together to survive. I bet we could do it lickety-split. There's nothing to be afraid of when it comes to that. It's just interesting how fear tactics always have to make it come to that. And if we're going to be able to think like world builders, like you were saying before, like with the paperclip mentality thing, mm -hmm. we also have to be able to think like individuals and separate those two. Because individuals are not world builders. Individuals are human beings that are pack animals that have their strongest suit in survival is communication. Like they ask a tiger, but you won't last long. Ask a tiger with 20 friends and uh, you won't have anything to worry about. Like mm -hmm. that's our strongest suit. And so when... We talk about implications of actual events. I'm down to talk about implications of world building and how that affects society and all of that. But when it comes down to individuals, if there's actually a collapse, individuals are pack animals that work better in teams. And I see it immediately returning to local skirmishes um, that are non-lethal, just like most of the native american stories that you hear you just there's a group of people yeah i mean somebody pisses you off you fight them that shit's gonna happen but nobody's right. out there like i'm gonna kill you to take your stuff no but if you piss mm -hmm. me off and i have to fight about it i'm fucking taking your potatoes on my way home because i wasted all this energy fighting you and you're being an idiot and the only reason i won is because you were off base and this is how we learn and next time we won't have to fight and i won't have to take mm -hmm. your potatoes and everyone's on the winning and losing side of that. But that's the type of conflict that occurs in a societal collapse, not people hunting each other Hunger Games style to get the last of the meat rations. Like that's not people build up this mm -hmm. story in their head that has nothing to do with how human beings act. All right. Sorry. Yeah, so, box. But that's another one that pisses yeah. me off. People are always like, oh, you want no government? What would happen then? I was like, they would act like human beings like. I don't know. That seems really obvious. I actually mm -hmm. think that governance is a natural result of that cooperation. And so I'd be mm -hmm. happy to cooperate and communicate about what that governance looks like when it's done well. But that's just me and you coming to a mutual understanding. The governance comes as an automatic result of that. What we're mm -hmm. doing right now, like the uh, that which is 
the government which is pretending to represent governance currently is not there isn't just consent and mm -hmm. so now the pressure and the onus is on us because we never needed them anyway so let's just talk about it and how communication looks and governance works we know how to network you know this shit is mm -hmm. that complicated it's just annoying that you got to fill out Oh, hold on. I have a good prop to bring into it. Uh, my stagehand prepared this. Uh, uh, my one, two, five, 40 page. Um, uh, so it's uh, credit card debt, right? Interesting story. Because I stopped um, paying on unsecured loans by banks that weren't. So I had unsecured debt. And when the banks were unsecured, I stopped paying on it because they were using fractional reserves to lend to me in the first place. And mm -hmm. now that none, none of it works, I don't mean to credit score anymore. The American petrodollar is dead. Like check the newspaper lately, the UAE sold oil to China and yawn, like the petrodollar is legitimately dead. So we've talked about mm -hmm. what the greenback might mean later. But so um, it's really interesting to me though, because this particular uh, first national bank of Omaha um, I got this credit card through the union and I got you, I got a credit card and cause I saw the end was near. So I applied, I had a decent credit score. I applied for everything in banks small that, that might've been a little bit rude, but it wasn't, um, uh, tenfold like fractional reserve banking is so we can compare notes in court. Um, but so that's what I'm doing. Actually, they, I actually got small claims courted, um, by this one bank, uh, first national bank of Omaha. Uh, $3,000 for a personal loan, uh, $9,000 for a credit card. So I filed my apt response. Like, yeah, I'll show up and talk to you about what these debts mean. Let's talk about it in court. Because I know, like, my Bill of Rights. So Seventh Amendment, if the dispute becomes more than $20, I have a constitutional right to a jury of my peers. So if they want to talk mm -hmm. about what it means, because the small claims, if I didn't respond, would have put a lien on my house. Well, I already have a second mortgage. It's at 4% interest because it was secured. This credit card and this personal loan were unsecured. We both gambled on our reputations and the reputations collapsed. However you want to add, add it up, it wasn't secured. So mm -hmm. my only response, I'm not saying I don't owe anybody money or I didn't spend that money. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I'm just saying you can't put a lien on my house or garnish my wages because it was unsecured. It's my only feedback, right? So it's fascinating because the $9,000 credit card voluntarily dropped by the lawyer. The $3,000 personal loan, I've got adjudication on the 17th. Hmm. I chose adjudication because if I'm not happy with the or arbitration, sorry, what tomatoes, potatoes, they're always mixing up their words. Um, mm -hmm. But arbitration, I chose that because if I'm not happy with the arbiter, this decision, I can go back to the, you know, I have the seventh amendment right to go back to a jury in the long run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but my, it's interesting. It's fascinating to me because my entire statement is just that if you were performing, um, lending money in a way that was secured by my assets, your market rate would have looked more like the other loans I have that are secured by my assets, which is five to 6% at the time, not 20%, right? So this seems pretty logical. Here's one of these things, cause I'm into like parts and tax grammar and like, like the whole 
sovereign citizen thing, careful what you wish for. You'll spend a lot of time in court. I recommend in teaming up with someone that's a sovereign citizen so that they can spend the time in court. Just consider you guys mm-hmm. yourself an association or a church, if you want to call it that. I call it the last church. But anyways, a term I learned in my time in court, because I'm a nerd for these sort of word games, uh, uh, one of their claims on me was it's called quantum root. It, I, they, I think they pronounce it quantum merit, but it's spelled quantum root. And it means relative to the implied value of the services at the time. So I believe that the intention behind filing it in that way was to say to the judge, even if we can't prove it on paper, relative to the implied value of the services of at the time, it looks like this. But it's interesting because if, if you pay attention to the words like quantum root, I'm not going to bring up anything that wasn't brought up in their contract and their claim. I have nothing to say other than what they said. Just commentary on it. Because quantum root is exactly why I know that I do not deserve a lien against my house or a garnishment of my wages because by quantum root, the value of a service of a secured loan does not land in the 23% range. So by your own contract, by what you're saying you offered, quantum root, what I signed up for, you're saying that what you offered by your own terms was outside of the range of what a secured loan would be, which is not to say that I don't owe money on that. But the catch-22 on that is that they're using fractional reserve banking in the first place and get more than a 10% write-off. They make money by me not paying. It's a power Mm -hmm. play. And I catch the system on purpose to the best of my ability. I literally, when I turned in the paperwork that uh, said, I'm willing for the judge to choose my adjudicator, the person I handed the paperwork said, hold on one second, no one's ever turned one of these in. I mean, it's not like she's been there forever, but I mean, I work in the building, so I have plenty of downtime to study it. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. Sorry, that was a long aside, but taking power and teamwork and financial responsibility, independent responsibility is all accessible currently. doesn't take anything violent. It's it's a permissionless revolution because I don't ask permission. I'm just me. Mm -hmm. You don't ask permission either. Like I can tell just by the way you carry yourself. I'm not in a position to ask people if I'm allowed to do stuff. I try to be respectful and learn customs, but I don't really ask permission. So I don't need permission for this revolution. Nothing I do has to break any of their rules because I'm better than that. (laughs) And their rules don't make sense. Sorry, soapboxing again. This shit gets me super excited, though. Well, not not only that, but like if you follow follow their rules and then break them in some capacity i mean which inevitably that's going to be the case i mean you're going to have you're going to have their their strategy of revolting what what does what what does the state perceive revolt as i mean it's all it's all based on perspective i mean Mm -hmm. i mean look at the difference between going back to january 6 again look Mm -hmm. at the difference for what they call uh the storming of the Capitol and uh, and uh, Buffalo Man, um, in <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're calling them, in Buffalo oh, Man, in, in in January on January sixth, and then and then look what the establishment, uh, the established state, 
doesn't consider insurrection just a, a less than a year prior. What do they call that? The summer of love. All them, all of the, all the cities just going to, just going to hell and back. I mean, yeah. people just violence, looting, uh, businesses love, and public <laughs> buildings being destroyed. I mean, there's a difference. So, like, so what is insurrection? I wouldn't even consider either. I mean, I wouldn't even consider the summer of 2020 an insurrection either. I, that just sounds more like depending on where you're fen- where you are on the fence um that's either controlled opposition uh government assets uh committing all the violence and the looting or at least uh controlling it i mean establishing it the 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 what is the word i'm looking for the the baseline, the stat they mm-hmm. had, they they create the base for, for the the chaos the in the organization. Uh, so, I mean, so you you either have that or you have a legitimate insurrection, where people are actually going and rioting for a, a real reason to overthrow some sort of aspect of government. Of course, nobody really was overthrowing anything. They were mainly just causing, they were wreaking havoc and destroying anything in their path. They were probably, most people were probably just pissed off. And then you had the violent ones that came out and said, I'm going to use this to my advantage and do whatever, do do what the purge is all about. Let's, let's make the purge real, everybody. And then you have January 6th, which is an insurrection. So make what you say. <laughs> what is what is what 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 is government or state or the established uh, uh, beings of authority going to consider insurrection? I mean, they're going to go off of their subjective perception of what they perceive is going against them. I mean, and in comparison to summer of 2020 and January 6, 2021, January 6th looks more like it's going against us than summer 2020, where it actually looks more like we need the chaos. We need the division. We need this violent outbreak so that we can come in and restore order. So, I mean, and it goes, it kind of goes down to, uh, what what I was trying to say before about the the World Trade Center, it was built at the height of this world economic and political order, kind of this the 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 show, kind of the proof, the beacon of this new age that we're in in the '60s. Cold War ends with the Soviet Union falling and collapsing, uh, and the United States becoming the sole superpower. Uh, in 1992 or 91, 92, and then 2001, the lead up of 2001 that resulted in the destruction of the World Trade Center. Well, what does that mean? That sounds like to me, and this is why I truly believe, whether it was an inside job or not, uh, it was utilized in an orchestration of creating something after using the aftermath of one destruction 
for the solution of another. So now you, you no longer have the World Trade Center. The Twin Towers are gone. The Pentagon's been hit. I mean, the 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 world has changed forever. What are you going to use it? Well, we're gonna we're gonna start our new sequence of total terror and or total control and and terror, both economically, politically, and militarily. We're going to start the war on terror, and we're going to create the app the 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 we're going to create the the aberration of the of the surveillance state to contain our power because this is it like this is our this is our next step of what we need to do in order to make sure that that we are the established authority over the masses how do you break out of that you just don't participate in it you try to figure out ways to just disassociate yourself from that so you you work a little counter economically and yeah, does that mean that uh, you'll <laughs> counter economically? I've never heard that phrase before. You're coining that one. Oh man, at least in my brain, that's awesome. You work a little counter economically should just be like the title of the entire episode. <laughs> I love that one. That'll be. Uh, that'll be. That's so good. It stood out to me. It's so unique. Um, but let me bring it full circle a little bit, real quick, because I think this speaks to towards something that might have um, been inferred that I didn't imply. Um, I I don't see paperclip Nazis. Like if you've been tracking along with the whole conversation, you know what I mean by that? Mm -hmm. Like I don't mm -hmm. look at paperclip Nazis as the root of the problem. I do not see them as the root of the problem. It's funny. Um, so <laughs> I actually, the way that I see it as um, clear as it is now, the pitfalls of the attempt to establish a bipolar unity for the world. Um, I think that was done with the best of intentions from some of the smartest minds that realized, well, if they can pull the final solution, the best thing that we can do is make it so that there's no, they there's a bipolarness to it, like a two towers, mm -hmm. like we'll send the paper clips in both directions. Like, I legitimately feel like there was at least a portion of the people that were influential enough to actually design those systems, like actually had the wherewithal to be a world builder, regardless of political power, but the actual capability. I think there was a mm -hmm. lot of really good intentions on that system. And I think like if you look at what we're experiencing right now, um, what brought down the so inside job doesn't mean that much to me because I'm looking at this situation so internationally at this point that I don't, you could draw a whole bunch of different circles. So inside means a whole, it's essentially loses meaning to me. So I don't mind if it's an, you call it an inside job or an outside job. I don't, that's not my deal, but what it seems to me is that it had the falling of the twin towers had a lot to do with the bush that was burned, but not consumed like oil. We burn it to prove that we are just consumers. And that is enough of a friction point to short circuit the twin towers and collapse them. <clears throat> the interesting part that we're facing now is that petrodollar established by the Bush, not the Bush that went to 
pay in the Middle East for oil, but the previous Bush that established the petrodollar, like, and the Bush was not consumed, and the other Bush, I was not cons. There was definitely something burning. It was probably oil, and the Bush consumed a lot. Right was enough to short circuit those twin towers. But what's interesting about the time period we're living in now is the first time it, it might have been this year, probably the end of last year. Like, but within the last month is the first time that it's ever come across on international propaganda that oil has been purchased with a currency other than the U.S. dollar, the petrodollar, that which was the solution for the fractional reserve banking because of the growth rate on energy consumption stopped now. So we, like we can talk about bricks and competition and everything like that. And that's all interesting to me, but the petrodollar by definition no longer exists. And the Bush that established it like maybe the, the collapse into the one Maybe the bipolar world collapsed into a multipolar world where we can return to being neighbors. And so maybe it wasn't that bad of an idea for a couple of paper clips to build a structure that would collapse for one specific reason, which is somebody trying to consume all the power of it. It's kind of like what happened between Tesla and Tungskania. Like you can accumulate power, but when you can. <clears throat> <laughs> when you consume accumulation, it gets very powerful. The results can be shocking. It can light a whole oil field on fire. It can. It's quite interesting. And so the world that we're living in right now, I feel like is kind of no holds bar because none of the petrodollar based contracts, I've only been alive. There might be some grandfathered in, but I've only been alive for to for my day-to-day -day life, all my contracts are petrodollar based, which is by definition, no longer precedent. Mm -hmm. So what, how do you make the rules from there? Oh, you have to team up with your neighbors and actually collaborate on valuable trading of resources. I think that sounds like a great idea. We should have a podcast about what people do not see because it seems pretty obvious to me and I don't understand the controversy behind national socialism. <laughs> Like what that seems reasonable to me as long as it doesn't like i want you to have that in every neighborhood socialism seems even more reasonable to me like have pride in your neighborhood work all together mm -hmm. uh, think you're doing better than every other neighborhood please yeah just you know taking wandering travelers and like steal my potatoes only after you beat me up in my fight like that all like seems reasonable and instead, it's like, you're going to own nothing and like it. World economic, total control, digital surveillance. And like everything in the dark is going to be brought to light. So you can surveil whatever you would like to. Um, I don't actually own anything. I just take responsibility for things that mean something to me. I was born naked and I die naked. So I, I own nothing and I like it. And you can surveil whatever you want. And the idea that my governance could put together resources within 15 minutes of me sounds like a high functioning neighborhood. Um, but if I say it really scary, like uh, Santa Claus Schwab is coming to steal your children on Christmas Eve or something like that, then it then it can create division.
but these human behaviors aren't really that scary. The world it happened in collapse. We had to go through this. The kingdom of heaven's at hand. Just reach out and grab it. The teamwork's there. I mean, we've demonstrated it right here. I already, like I said, I already would 100% consider you guys neighbors. I'd be like, yep, teammate. I mean, I might have to leave it over him over in his hermit kingdom, but his hermit kingdom doesn't like shoot missiles at people just for fun. So I'm good with it. <laughs> it's not an inside job, an outside job. It's an odd job. Better rim job, I always say. <laughs> Sorry. That was inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, parents cover your kids' ears right before that. Mm hmm. And and honestly, honestly, just go let the kids play. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously, if you drag them through this thing, you are one a one hell of a parent, and b like on mm -hmm. some other shit, bro. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, this is real talk. Every kid should know it, but they should. I mean, teach it to them in a different format. <laughs> yeah, let them let them be a kid. They can they can they can learn this stuff, but let them be a be a child. You know, I mean, don't. Don't just drag them out in the negative land because it gets hey, um, it can get I a little kind of hitting my time limit on this, but I wanted to touch base on one last controversial topic since you brought it up and it's really important to me. Um, mm -hmm. Like what it means to like take care of kids. So there's a really big movement of save the children. I'm sure you probably heard this catchphrase before. Um, and I could not agree more with letting the kids be kids to the fullest and most honest extent of that. And I don't think counterexamples even need to be brought up because if the kids are being kids, then they're being kids and that's the only goal. So mm -hmm. I think one of the big things that's being overlooked by a lot of the um, crowd that really supports the Save the Children slogan is that that which is consuming our children is our financial burdening of them. And I don't just mean financial, but like resource wise, we're eating their future in every way, shape and form with the way we're doing society right now. You can blame it on whatever specific group of cabal you think is good at dancing around in red paint. That's fine. A lot of that shit is unfortunately true, but ultimately societally on the grand scale, the choices we're making to consume future resources instead of providing a space for our children is what's eating our children. It's not any specific group. It's our inability to put it together to leave them with more than they started with. And I think that's a really important note because we have to take personal responsibility for the future of our children. It's not them that's doing it to our children. And I consider my neighbor's children my children because my neighbors are like me and we want things to be okay for our children. That's our responsibility. There's no them that takes it away. We do it. So yes, save the children. Establish a neighborhood. Stop telling me about the they that is hurting your children. I don't care about they that's hurting your children. There's a million days that could hurt your children in a million different ways. And newsflash, while you're trying to protect your children, you're probably going to hurt them. 
in like a million different ways, but it's way different than the days you're imagining. So take responsibility for your actions, team up and actually provide a space for the children. Stop chanting in the streets to stop the cabal. What the fuck are you talking? Like, I understand the heart of the matter, but do they really have that much power to where all you have to do is be anti them to protect your children? That makes no sense to me fundamentally. So I appreciate the heart of the matter that I tend to be a little bit controversial in the way I say things, but I think you understood where I'm coming from. Like nobody out there saying save the children. I do not disagree with that. I do not support Balenciaga, a bunch of this shit super duper fucked up in ways that are not even worth getting into because I don't like taking in those sounds and images, not because I'm afraid of it, not because I haven't, not because I don't acknowledge it, but because I see the solution of providing a future for my children of being a healthier me that's focused on a healthy childhood for the next generation. And so mm-hmm. I hope that came across clearly because that's a weird one to say out loud. No. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. The future generations, that's all that matters. I mean, the only way to help the help progress the future is to provide something for the right now. I mean, you get, yep. and the only way to do that is to work, just hard work, intellectually and laboriously. I mean, in and relationship. So, building mm-hmm. relationships. That's basically it. I mean, that's the only way that you can you can attain for a better future for the next generation. Hold on. This is this is funny. Uh, give me just one second. Oh, I don't know how to turn around my camera. So sorry if this is shoddy footage, but the roosters just walked in to the barn, and uh, we were talking about this before we got started. So I got to show off the cocks that invade. So hopefully this makes sense. <laughs> you guys don't belong in here just because I forgot the gate. <laughs> Oh no, I hope you guys got to see that at least a glimpse. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had to show my cocks off, man. We're getting close to the Oh the cocks like the struts, so yeah, well, cocks. Yeah. Blue like a real bad it. max. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> Spitting the real fast facts. That's what I do. Yeah. Um, but uh for me, uh personally, I We've covered so much ground so intentionally um, that I like to take the time to like digest before I get too deep in rabbit holes. And I mean, we've like hopped over a whole bunch of rabbit holes like they were skipping stones and like Mm -hmm. landed in like a good spot of the importance of like the future generation and community. Um, I think we call it uh, good for this time and sign up for round two, I hope. Yeah, sure. Uh I'm down. I'm down to bring it back for round two. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do it. There's, I mean, we can. There's so much more that we can we can jump into. So yeah, we'll have to definitely bring you back. Yeah, you, I, I would like in uh, like hopefully like some of the listeners and stuff want to like submit some controversial questions because I'm down to dance around them. Like they, there's really no topic that that I won't touch, and and I really like the uh, fluidity and understanding of the conversation that we had here, mm-hmm. and how it could go mm-hmm. from an amount of it maintained lightheartedness throughout 
the focus on topics that legitimately matter mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like having both of those things at the same time makes for like a really enjoyable enjoyable conversation for me personally so i'm grateful to be like on the show it was a fantastic time we appreciate you joining us oh yeah 100 so thank you for coming on and uh, sharing sharing your knowledge and uh having this conversation so uh don't quote me boy i ain't said shit i got no knowledge <laughs> you're just spitting straight facts Yep. Oops. <laughs> straight, straight facts. So. Yeah. Well, sometimes they're straight not always the- that straight, but we'll save that for round two. Um, <laughs> almost thought, almost thought he was Eric right for a second. Oops. <laughs> Easy. Uh, so. I like right. to be forthright, um, so you could take that um, for however long of a time span. Uh, you would like to um but yeah uh sometimes the only thing that's left is the only thing that's right mm-hmm. well and well let's uh let's get you going for your saturday on this day that we're recording and uh let's you get back to your your thing and uh but uh before before we go ahead and end mm-hmm. this uh Mad Max, if, um, any any shout outs or plugs that you want to do, you got the floor. Oh, just myself currently. I'm feeling hyper selfish. And uh, I would like to remind people Merry Christmas Eve. I know it's a little Eastern Orthodox of me, but I'm an unorthodox sort of guy and I live in the West, so I feel like it balances out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my, my only shameless plug is for myself. Um, because if anybody pays attention to me, I'll point them uh, in the directions that I see valuable, obviously. So, yeah, at Real Mad Max, two X's. That's the important part. Right. Good stuff. Good stuff. So uh, anything uh, Anything in Andrew's corner? No, I'm doing pretty good today. Thank you for joining us, Mad Max. It's been real. It was a pleasure. It's been yeah, real. Man. Oh my goodness. Put that one on the B real because that joke was way too cheesy. <laughs> no, that was actually really good. So well, this has been another episode of the Legacy Right. Again, I am the legacy of Jennifer Ant Kaiser. I am Zachary Kaiser. This is Andrew Joseph. You can uh find Real Mad Max on X. Uh and you can uh, find me and Andrew at Otaku Sauce on Telegram, or uh, or head over to the Legacy Rights Substack um, and subscribe there if you want anything more than just a podcast. Otherwise, uh, hit this episode up. I'm sure you'll enjoy it when it drops and uh, everything else that pops up. And just keep on uh, doing what you got to do to support. So. Um, Let's uh let's reel it out of here. So right. peace. Reel it out of here. I didn't even make a single Z Kaiser joke the entire time, and you're gonna reel it out at the end. Well <laughs> Flame victory. <laughs> um, <laughs> I look forward to the next time. We See look forward to it too. All right, peace, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm...
more request. You gotta be able to walk that out and style and profile. Woo! You really think you're ready for this? You really think you're ready for the Scorpion Deathlock? You think you're ready for a fatal encounter? This is why they call me the total package. Do you have a pain threshold to withstand the booty rack? Let's find out. Hello, here's Alex Wright. And your high-flying wrestling action model. Spinning sidekick. Top turn bottle drop kick. And if mich, der Sieg ist euch sicher. Verspreitschaut. Oh yeah! Watch the point over drop off the path rope. Not only three people, one, two, three, but I hurt him real bad. It only takes one of a thousand holes. I think you're man enough for the challenge. You better be ready to wrestle. But you know, when you get in the ring with Eddie Carrero, it's gonna be high-flying and exciting. Hey, anytime you feel foggy, man, I'll slap on the buzz killer and rip your shoulder right out of socket! Wolfpack style! Hey, 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 funky boy! Like there's a choice here? Good God! Pick the man with the plan. Pick deep, deep, deep! You wanna play the game? You wanna play with the big boy? Put your feet on the button, cause when you go down a hundred and fifty, it's gonna be on like Nick Bone, sucker. This is Booker T from Harlem Heat, hardcore OG brother from 150. The minute you pump, got the gut to step up to the plate, push the plate. Yo, Chico, you selected Scott Hall? Get ready for a wild ride on the outside. Hey there! I'd like to get power, Bob. Come on, fix me. I'm begging you, fix me. You think you got the courage to step in the ring? I think you're gonna wind up with a snap net joke slam. Technical wrestler, high flyer, waller. It don't matter what you consider yourself to be. When you're in the ring with the Crippler, you're a loser.